Unity is the most important principle. If, if you have unity, you can weather any storm. Jesus said it this way, where there is unity, I am there. Where there is unity, my power is there. Because where there is unity, you turn on the power of God and you invite the presence of God. I'm Chris Johnson. Dr. Paul Lindsay's in the studio with us today, so thanks for making the trek to the Orlando area all the way from Lakeland, so far away, right? That's right. So to begin with, you have quite the resume. Having been a pastor, you've been deployed to Iraq as an army chaplain. We thank you for your service. You have been a professor and are now an adjunct professor at Southeastern University in Lakeland. And the topic that brings you here today is marriage. Yes. You you and Dr. Linda Lindsay have been married for how long? About 42 years. Well, how about that? And you have uh, three children. I understand 10 grandchildren, the 10th on the way, Nine right? and a half. <laughs> Nine That's and right. a half. Excellent. Well, you have a lot of experience to uh, to work from. So I understand that you also specialize in developing lay ministries in the church. You speak on issues like leadership training, mentoring, and today's topic, marriage. So we welcome you to Charisma Connection. Thank you, Chris. Well, we don't get to hear from your lovely wife today, but you're going to represent, right? I think that everything I say will represent her. Okay. Well, in in part out of the outflow of your own marriage and then combined with scripture and current research about relationships, you've written this book that came out earlier this year called Wisdom Built, Mm -hmm. Biblical Principles of Marriage. Now, tell us about the title of that. The, The focus in our work with couples has always been to build, to build relationships, to build a foundation. We did a missions trip to Hungary several years ago, and we were staying in the home of the missionaries, and we looked out from the second story behind, and the people behind where they lived were building a house behind the main house. And the missionaries told us that it's customary for children to grow up and build a house on the parents' property. So we would come home from the Bible college or at the churches we were preaching at, and we would see these brick walls being built up, built up. And I thought, now that's a good analogy for building a relationship. One brick at a time, one principle at a time, one day at a time. Excellent. And Proverbs 24, 3 to 4, can you quote it? I can get pretty close, depending okay. on which version. <laughs> right. <laughs> by, and, and, by wisdom, a house is built. Mm. And it is filled with beautiful and rare treasures. And so that's what we try to do. Let's build our relationships with wisdom and let's decorate or, or furnish the rooms with treasures that are worth something. And so that's the focus of the book. Okay. I should have had you quote that in the modern English version. I should which, have. Which your brother, Dr. James Lindsay, translated. Right. And uh, the MEV is a Bible that we uh, produce here at Charisma House. N- next time I'll have it have it ready for you. Yeah, okay. Next time. Okay. So uh, you describe your book, Wisdom Built, as part Bible study, part counseling, and part storytelling. Mm-hmm. So could you unpack that a bit for us? A lot of people write on marriage or speak on marriage from one particular frame of reference. Either they're a psychologist talking from clinical research, or they're a a pastor or a Christian speaking from the scriptures, 
or some just tell the stories, but there's wisdom to be gained from all three sources. And so I, I like to bring the personal experience because I have been married for over 40 years, uh, done a lot of pastoral counseling, done a lot of weddings, mm-hmm. uh, but I also do a lot of reading on the psychologists, both secular and religious, and what they're discovering about what makes marriages work or what makes them not work. And so I, I like to draw from that so it, it becomes a, an agreement in the discussion of really what is marriage all about. Excellent. Well, you've been a pastor and you know the needs of churches in in regard to marriages. And it's no secret that here in America, we are struggling with our marriages. So mm-hmm. this book contains a, a really practical plan for pastors, doesn't it? It really does. In a, in a survey a few years ago, 87% of the pastors in North America said they did not know how to help the couples in their congregation. Wow. And so I decided, okay, let me do my doctoral work on the biblical principles of marriage, which I did at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Okay. And, and this is the result of those studies. Okay, excellent. Specifically aimed for Christians, for ministers to help the couples in their congregations. Mm-hmm, good, good. So as pastors do marriage counseling, are they missing anything in what they address with the couples? I think sometimes, I won't say all, mm-hmm. but sometimes we're missing how practical the Bible is when mm-hmm. it comes to marriage. Uh, for example, the first time marriage is specifically mentioned in the Bible is Genesis chapter 2, and the word for spouse or mate is helper. Helper. The very mm-hmm. first principle then comes God designed marriages to be two people who help each other because life is hard. Yes, love it. But when when God presents the woman to Adam as his helper, in American culture, we often think that the helper is a subordinate, a less important person, mm-hmm. a sidekick. But the word for helper 90% of the time in the Bible is for God himself. The psalmist says, God is my helper. God is my sustainer. So what God is really doing is he's presenting the idea of marriage as a representative of God himself in the relationship, somebody who is stronger, wiser, able to help. So God looks at the man he'd made and said, hmm, something's not good here. He needs help. (laughs) And God says, I will make a representative of myself and presents the woman. That's interesting. I've never heard anyone say that. So the the woman was never designed to be a subordinate or less important. Okay. And we're going to get back to that. But some couples, it seems, never become fully one. Um, You know, there's a lot of elements to that, obviously intimacy, but what about areas like how you handle family finances, you know, joining bank accounts and things like that? Unity is the most important principle. Mm. If, If you have unity, you can weather any storm. Jesus said it this way, where there is unity, I am there. Where there is unity, my power is there. It's from Matthew 18. Uh, we, we see that in the church, we see that in the world, but we need to apply it in the home mm-hmm. because where there is unity, you turn on the power of God and you invite the presence of God. Where there is disunity, it's like you flip the switch and turn God off mm-hmm. and his power is not working in our lives and we say, Lord, you're evicted from our home. That's how important unity is. Wow. Mm-hmm. Something to think about there. So what other ways do people, to couples, need to become fully one? In our decision-making, the way we spend or save money, uh, a lot of times we get tripped up in our child-raising techniques because my family did it this way. Well, my family did it this way, 
Uh, some people have described marriage as a battle in which two families send representatives to say which family will be replicated. <laughs> and rather than fighting, why don't we come together and create a new that is together that'll be us. And if we can do that in unity, then we have a much better chance of staying happy and staying together. And that's one of, I, I say, my taglines or my subtitles for this emphasis is stay together and stay happy. Because the, the research shows that roughly 50% of marriages end in divorce. Those who stay together, 50% are unhappy even though they're staying together. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to stay together, but also to stay happy. And that's where a lot of us are missing it. Excellent. So I'm thinking of some common phrases that come into play with marriage and family. And we hear these from the men. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. Happy wife, happy life. We hear, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So you say that this presents a biblical understanding. Your book presents a biblical understanding of male-female equality. Mm -hmm. Could you unpack that a bit? Sure. Page one in my Bible says, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God says, I will make humans in my image, male and female, I will create in my image. Male and female will be given the command to have dominion and rule. Mm-hmm. Right from page one in the Bible, there is an equality because the command to have dominion is to both. The idea of being in God's image is not just one or more than the other. So equality is right there from the start. And that carries over to the New Testament where the Apostle Paul writes in, Genesis, in Galatians chapter 3, uh, there is neither male nor female, slave nor free, rich nor poor, whatever the dichotomies that we like to create for society, he says, no, we're all one in Jesus Christ. And then we go over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, where, where Paul writes there, submit one to another mm-hmm. in your worship of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then the next verse says, wife to your husband. There is no new verb there that says submit. So to say wife submit to your husband doesn't say that in the verse 22. The verb comes from verse 21 where it says it's a one another thing. Submit one to another and then over the next chapter and a half he gives three relationship pairs, husband and wife where mutual submission, parent and child mutual submission, and then slave and master mutual submission. Because relationships work better when there is a submissive spirit that we come into the relationship with. Not a hierarchical approach, but an equality. The husbands specifically are said, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. Giving yourself up is the equivalent of submission. Yes. And humility comes into play. With, oh, it does. With that helping spirit, doesn't it? It does. So we're... we're both equally in the image of God. We're called to be helpers one to another, mutually submitting to one another. You see the whole package together. We're in this together. And and one of my favorite chapters is Proverbs 31. And we often hear people talk about the Proverbs 31 woman. Mm -hmm. We don't hear very many people talk about the Proverbs 31 man. But the Proverbs 31 man encourages his wife, praises her, says, you go, woman, you can do this. There is never a competitive spirit. There is never a, you need to get back home and get in place. It's always, 
promoting, supporting her dream, her ambition, recognizing that she is not only a leader in the home, but a leader in the community. Mm -hmm. And we need to have more men who are supporting the wife taking an active role because she is not inferior in any way. Love that. And yes, she was quite the businesswoman. Oh, yes. So many spouses start as friends. Mm -hmm. and, And then what happens? You know, sometimes that friendship goes by the wayside. How can they maintain that friendship, and how important is that? Life gets in the way sometimes, and we forget that friendship is one of the most important keys. I I do have a chapter just on the principle of friendship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. John Gottman at the University of Washington talks about the importance of friendship in relationship. Gary Chapman talks about that. Yes. Uh, Gary Smalley. Five love languages guy. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) I've got several of his books and, and Most people who talk about how relationships work talk about the importance of maintaining friendship because we treat a friend different than we treat other people. And we forget that even in our homes, we should be treating each other as friends. Friends don't criticize each other all the time. Mm. Friends don't tell each other, you're bad. Friends don't hit each other or become violent with each other. So if we can take a fresh look at friendship and say, all right, I'm going to bring the concept of friendship into my home, whether I'm talking about my wife or my sons or my grandchildren, and treat them like friends, and it changes the relationship. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So that's oh, Jesus, really— Jesus himself said to his disciples, I call you friends. That's right. So if we're going to follow his lead— Mm-hmm. And so that's really a foundational thing in yes. marriage. Now, in the book, you address 12 principles, you mm-hmm. say, for a joyful, lasting, and fulfilling marriage. So it sounds like it's widely applicable. Um, what, what are some of those principles that you'd like to address here? Let me start out by, by the four treasures that I, I derive from the proverb, mm-hmm. chapter 24. The, the four treasures that I want to decorate my home with are unity, fulfillment, insight, and freedom. The opposite of those is what too many people are living. We're divided, we're empty, we're clueless and trapped. And when we're in that kind of a situation in our homes, it's no wonder we want out. It's no wonder we're unhappy, we're miserable. The principles are designed to build the right kind of treasures. And when we do that, then we are breathing the right kind of air. So the principles are, first one is we're in marriage to help each other. My wife and I help each other in huge ways and in little ways. Mm-hmm. A, a daily act of kindness is a source of help. I, I love the story of Lee Child, who's the author of the Jack Reacher series, yes, if, right. if mm-hmm. you've seen that. Uh, he, he was unemployed one time while he was starting his writing career, and he would help his wife with chores around the house. And then she says, would you go shopping with me? You can carry the groceries. So he started going shopping with her. And in the grocery store, he could reach things from the top shelves that she couldn't because he's 6'4", 6'5". And, and she says to him one day, you know, if this writing gig doesn't work out, you could always be a reacher in a supermarket. And, <laughs> and he thought, that's a great name for my character. So he was helping her in the grocery store, and she helped him by providing the name for his hero in his books. There you go. So that, that's you know a little way and a big way of helping. Uh, we were pastoring out in Los Angeles years ago when my wife had an opportunity to teach at a Christian college, but it was too far to commute. We thought about it and prayed about it, and I told her, I would give up this pastorate to facilitate your dream. Hmm. 
And she, in tears, said, you would do that for me? I said, oh, yes, that's what love does. And so we moved. And the Lord opened other doors for ministry, got into a different ministry, you know, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But to be willing to sacrifice to facilitate somebody's dreams and ambitions, because she's the most important person in my world. Mm. If that is true, I'll sacrifice everything for her. Mm. Too often, we don't really mean it. Yes, that was very touching. So you've talked about uh, current marriage research a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, so what type of things are you noticing uh, as you look at the research that have you mainly focused on the Western world here? Primarily because that's who I live with. That's who I minister to. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I've discovered is that the Bible speaks to all people and all cultures. There are places where the Bible speaks to me and says I have to change, mm. where my culture has to change. And the Bible would speak to a different culture, a different ethnic group, and say, here are some changes that your group needs to make. So I think we all come to the Lord needy and need to be corrected by the Word of God. And if I am not willing for the Word of God to speak to me, then I've got some problems. So, so the Scripture should be above culture, speaking to where we need to correct. Uh, but, but I've mostly studied North American marriage. Okay. Well, as we look at North American marriage and relationships, we, we unfortunately see a lot of cohabitation. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's even among Christians, right? Yes. Could you talk about that a little bit? The, the principles work whether you're married or not. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's the beauty of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Where, wherever we are in our lives, in our journey, if we will treat each other in positive, helpful ways, we can actually get along and have decent relationship. I think that the statistics will say those who are married tend to, to last a lot longer than those who are not married. And I think the the separation rate for people who cohabitate is something like 93%, whereas those who are married have a much better success rate in terms of longevity and relationship and the happiness value as well, mm-hmm. because that's the way God ordained the, his creation. But But there are a lot of people who, yes, have decided to go their own way. Well, how how can you talk to Christians like when, you know, when a pastor knows that there's someone in his church who they're just living together, how can he address that? My dad was a pastor and a chaplain, and he would say, son, you disciple them and you preach to them and then you just love them. Hmm. And I think that there's a lot of loving that we need to do because not everybody's going to live the way I think they should, but mm-hmm. I can still love them. I can still serve them. So I, I, d- I don't expect to change everybody, but I can love everybody. Mm-hmm. And as you disciple, you attempt to lead them in the right direction. That's right. And, mm-hmm. and it's the Holy Spirit who has to lead us anyway. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's not another person who can tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. But when the Holy Spirit deals with your heart, um, an elderly minister told me one time, his philosophy of ministry was ministry follows friendship. If you're in relationship with people, when the Holy Spirit is dealing with them, they'll know who to go to to talk to. But if you don't have relationship with them, they won't come to you anyway. That's so true. Well, as we close, if there's anything else you'd like to share, please feel free. And then I'd like to ask you if you would pray for the marriages sure. in among our listeners. You asked about some of the specific principles, and I didn't give it full answer. Okay. Uh, but, but there are 12, mm-hmm. uh, for example, to help one another, 
to let go of the past because we come into relationships with a history, every one of us does, and we have to be willing to let go of that if we're going to build a fresh relationship that lasts today. Either, I think Genesis 2.24 says, I've got to leave my parents, my family of origin. Those of us who have been married in the past or have had other relationships have to be willing to let go of that part of our past. People who have had tremendous successes in one part of their lives when that success is over, you have to be willing to move on. Whatever it is behind us, we've got to be willing to say, I'm putting that behind so that I can prioritize this relationship. And if we can do that, it involves forgiveness, it involves a, a lot of things, but then we have a chance to make this relationship successful. Unity. Uh, if we cannot aim at unity, then we don't even have a chance. So true. Unity is the, <laughs> the single key. Mm -hmm. uh, from from one of the scriptures, Genesis chapter 4, the idea of knowing each other. Research shows that the more a couple knows about each other, the more they love each other mm -hmm. and the stronger their relationship is. And, and one psychologist points to a family that he worked with. The husband did not even know where his kids went to school. He did not know where his wife worked. He worked long hours and did not know where the back door of his house was. What? <laughs> this is a true story. True story. You're not making this up. And I am not making okay. it up. And, and the counselor says to him, you need to find out more information about your wife. I would say. And, and her life. <laughs> and as he did that. Wait, now was this like an arranged marriage? Or no, it was not. It was just hyper busy people okay. who were prioritizing other things mm. than their relationships. So, so to know one another is, is a key thing. How we use our words in, in the Proverbs, we read, your words can kill or your words can give life. How we talk to, are we insulting each other? Are we calling each other names? Are we saying all sorts of derogatory, harmful things to one another? Or are we building each other up? Mm -hmm. so, so how we use our words, especially how we behave when we're angry. Because anger is such a powerful force that if in my anger, I am destroying the people I say I love. Mm. Am I really loving them? I, I used to come home and my wife and kids would tremble because they were afraid of me. And when I realized that, I realized I need to change. Hmm. I need to pray through. I need to do some studying about what anger does to people. And it changed who I was as a person because of my wife and my sons telling me that. Hmm. So th that's about half of the principles there. About six more. <laughs> well, we're going to get them to read the book, right? <laughs> we hope. That would be nice. <laughs> and it's called Wisdom Built, Biblical Principles of Marriage. Mm -hmm. And I love that tagline, stay together, stay happy. Let me mention one other thing, Chris. Please do. Uh, in, in the book, I mentioned the New Testament one another's. Mm. There are about 40 statements in the New Testament where either Jesus or one of the apostles' writings says, this is how you should treat one another. Be kind to one another. Uh, serve one another. Love one another. And if we could understand that these statements of how we should treat one another, yes, they're appropriate for the church, but they're also appropriate in my home. So that would be at least a starting place for somebody who wants a good relationship at home. Just take out your Bible and or, or get on to BibleGateway.com and say, what, is, what does it say about how to treat one another? Yes. Be kind one to another. When I was a kid, memorized Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, for this is the way Christ has treated you. So it's those one another's that I really think would be a good starting point. Whether or not you read the book, get your Bible out and mm -hmm. treat each other the way the Lord says to treat each other.
That's a great point. And if we have, you know, friendships and good relationships within the family, we bring that into marriage as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so as we close, uh, your website is paullindsay.com, right? Yes. And uh, you have information about your current book and another book you're working on, right? Just finished a book about my ministry experience as an Army chaplain in Iraq in 2007. Excellent. Uh, it's basically about 15 or 16 testimonies of things that God was doing in people's lives. I was there as a spectator as much as a participant, mm-hmm. but, but God was already working in people's lives, and it was just a delight to be part of what he was doing. Excellent. Well, I'm sure that's going to be enlightening to a lot of people to read about your experience over there. Would you mind closing us in prayer? I'd be glad to. Lord, thank you for who you are in our lives. You are our God. You are the one who loves, who saves, who strengthens, who helps us. Lord, we recognize that we are weak and we are needy. We we couldn't live a day without you and without your word. But Lord, we, we come to you now and ask that you would give us help in our homes, help in our marriages, our relationships, our friendships. You give us help, Lord, for our children. And Lord, when you give that help, help us to be responsive and receptive. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Paul Lindsay, for being with us here on Charisma Connection. You're welcome, Chris. Thank you. We sure appreciate it. And once again, that website is paullindsay.com. That's, uh, and Lindsay is spelled L-I-N-Z-E-Y. Let's get it Most right. Most of my right. life, yes. Okay. <laughs> paullindsay.com. If you want to know about the books specifically, that's back, backslash books. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for joining us for this visit today with Paul Lindsay here on the Charisma Connection. And see our other shows at cpnshows.com, cpnshows.com. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. 